Well, I told my wife that I was going to have fun at this daily lecture series for the first time in a while, okay? I don't, I'm not going to call her and say, honey, we just had another blowout. The faculty threw me out. No. President did not introduce me by saying, would you just be a little soft on John Dewey? John Dewey. He said, you see, I'm the president of the, of the John Dewey Society. <laughs> yes, I'm president of Christian College, president of John Dewey Society. He wanted me to be soft on John Dewey. It's, it's just not my nature. I'm not soft on anybody. Not even myself. <laughs> so I could not be soft on John Dewey. Anyway, I'm a little ahead of the story there. Let's get back to finally welcoming you all here. I don't know why you're here, except I've been told this is a mandatory thing. That's why I wanted a picture. My wife will not believe how many showed up. <laughs> so first of all, just to do this right, because Dave did it right, he read, and by, by the way, Dave, that is not a bad statement to read, is it? When you stop to think about it, here is a foundation that wants to promote evangelical work. That in itself is nearly a miracle. And they want to defend the gospel through their monies. I don't even know how much money is in the Staley Foundation, but whatever it is, I'm just glad they have it. I wish they had a billion more, to tell the truth, because it sounds like they know how to handle it. So let's first of all uh, thank the Staley Foundation. Let's, let's really thank them. Let's go. It's the only way I'm going to get a clap, so I'm going to tell my wife that too, okay? Um, so for Staley and for whoever is involved with Staley, I, I want to personally thank you. Uh, I know there's a, been a lot of work involved in this, uh, in this lecture series. I know Dave's been involved, Terry's been involved, Kelly's been involved, and whoever else has been involved, I want to thank you. Uh, most of the work has been done through my secretary, to tell the truth. I haven't had a whole lot to do with it. Uh, but one night, Eric did call me and say, uh, how would you like to come out to Masters College and speak to the students? And, uh, you know, I, I don't always jump into these things anymore like I used to. And I said, Eric, are you sure this is a good idea? And he said, well, yes, uh, and these are the dates they've given you. Well, it turned out that that was the key to the whole thing. The dates were your spring vacation. So I knew immediately this was a good deal. No one would be here. I'd be up here by myself and I'd have the whole thing to myself. Wasn't that basically it, Dave? We had to change the dates because this was spring vacation and so forth. I told my secretary, this is ingenious. This is ingenious. That way, I can't confuse them, they can't confuse me, and we're up to, we're up to no good. Plus, we can say we've had a Staley lecture series. Well, here I am, and you're here. And I finally said, well, Eric, I guess we'll make it work. So I went down and told my wife. My wife was in the kitchen, of course. It's where she spends all her time, no shoes. <laughs> and I said, honey, you won't believe this. Eric Speaker just called me. And he wants me to speak at Master's College as part of the Staley Lecture Series. Honey, I call my wife, honey. Honey. How many great men do you think there are in this world? And she looked at me and she said, Well, I think there's one less than you think there is. <laughs> so I called Eric up and I said, I'll come. 
We have nothing to lose. So I'm here. And um, as I said, I'm here to have a good time. I hope I'm not a threat to anyone. Hmm? And if I am, just you know, give me a buzz. We'll talk. And I'm here for just a few days, by the way. So if we're going to talk, we're going to have to make it in a hurry, okay? Because uh, basically, I just clear my throat in 45 minutes, and that's all I have this morning. And then I have a shot at all of you on Wednesday. But we do have a meeting on Tuesday night. Dave, and where is that again? Hotchkiss? And that's in a dorm. Everyone knows where that is, right? No? It's the boys' dorm? Sort of? Well. I like this school already. We'll see you there tomorrow at 7.30. Is that basically the program? And we're there until cows come home or whenever I leave, I guess. And we'll see what happens. Okay, I have been given uh, any other announcements that I have to make or any apologies I have to make or any thanks. I, have I done a pretty good job so far? Okay. Uh, basically, I have a very short uh, uh, an agenda. I have an agenda. Oh, don't kid yourself. I have an agenda. I have a very short agenda, however. Because the overall series has been entitled, to a great extent, Humanism and Education. So obviously I'm going to work within those parameters, but it's amazing what you can do with those parameters, okay? I mean, we can do just about anything we want to do uh, within those parameters. But hopefully by Wednesday when I leave, uh, you will understand uh, what the humanist agenda is and what the humanist worldview is, because I dare say right now, that many in this audience do not understand the humanist worldview. Many of you don't even know the word worldview, unfortunately. Uh, and then hopefully by Wednesday when I leave, I want to convince uh, at least half the student body that there is a Christian worldview. And let me tell you, don't take that for granted because there are tons and tons uh, of Christians in our country today that do not believe there is such a thing as a Christian worldview. And I'm going to do the best I can to convince at least some of you that there is, and then you can take it from there. And I, if you want direction, I can tell you exactly where the directions are. And, and then hopefully by Wednesday as well, I want to at least do the best I can to show you that there is a, that there is a tremendous struggle for the hearts and minds of you. You. You are the target. You are the target. If you're 25 or 30 and older, you can chalk it up, you are not the target. The target today is 15 to 25-year-olds. That is the great target. And um, after 25, of course, you're like me, you're senile. Feet in concrete. You won't change your mind for anything, even if you're shown the scientific truth, says Carl Sagan. Oh, the scientific truth is right there. But a 17-year-old accepted Yes, they certainly will. They can't spell science, they can't spell Satan, they can't spell truth, but they'll accept it, okay? Because Brother Carl says it's true. Well, anyway, that's, those are the parameters of what we're up to. Now, let's turn to Acts 17. We've already, I have a number of uh, scriptures that we're going to look at in the next few days, and one, uh, Dave has already read in Romans 1. Basically, everything I'm going to say uh, revolves around Acts 17, Romans 1, uh, Colossians chapter 2, especially the first eight verses. 2 Corinthians 10, we'll look at a few verses there a little later on. And uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 is a really 
uh, a secret little verse. No, I don't know. Not too many people hook up First Timothy 6.20 to where we are today, but boy, it's, uh, it's a good summary of where we are today. But let's, uh, let's look here. Now, let's look at verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Harvard, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the, the university wholly given over to worshiping the mind. Therefore, he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons. And look at the last part of that verse, my friends. Look at the last part of that verse. And in the marketplace. The agora. Paul was in the church. True. Did he stay in the church? Did he stay in the church? No. He left the church and he went out into the world. He went out into the marketplace where the people were. And he spoke with them. He spoke with them. His attitude wasn't, oh boy, i got to stay in the church. This is the safe place. Why, if I get out of the church and get out there, they won't believe me. They won't listen to me. Look at verse 18. Certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics, today they would be called what? What? The Epicureans. In fact, if you mark your Bible right next to Epicureans. Do you all mark your Bibles, by the way? Right next to the Epicureans, what do you have? The Epicureans were the secular and Marxist humanists of their day. Okay, so today, if we drop Paul here today, if he were here, and he looked out, he wouldn't see Stoics and Epicureans, he would say secular humanists, Marxist humanists, and then the Stoics. What, what are the Stoics called today? The pantheists. They're the New Age crowd. All over, all around us. They're the crystal crowd. Pyramid power. You, I, I don't know. I, I know California's a strange place, but Colorado's got some strange places too, okay? You can literally go in some of our streets and people are walking under pyramids. Okay? Pyramids. And you wonder, what is going on? Pyramid power. And then they dangle these crystals in front of them, and that leads them to wherever they're heading, I guess. I don't know. I, it's hard. You don't want to follow them too closely, okay? If he were here today, he would not be challenged by the Stoics and Epicureans. He would be challenged by the humanists, the Marxist variety, the secular variety, and the New Age crowd. And he encountered them. And some said about him, well, what will this babbler say? Others said, well, he seems to be setting forth a rather strange religion here. He's preaching what? Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to Mars Hill. And they said that we want to know what is this new doctrine whereof thou speakest? And what are these strange things that you're saying? And then Paul, look at verse 22, said, You men of, Har of Athens, you men of Harvard, I perceive that in all things you are too what? This is interesting word here. Religious. Religious. For as I pass by, I behold your devotion to the unknown God. Okay, let's turn to Colossians chapter 2 quickly. Incidentally, wherever we leave today, we pick up on Wednesday. Isn't that right, basically, Eric? 
these uh, Monday and Wednesday are supposed to fit together. Hmm? So at at 11:25 the platform collapses and I'm finished. And then on Wednesday we just pick up wherever that is, wherever the collapse takes place. Uh, let's go to Colossians chapter two, and um, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Who reads Colossians today? Hmm? And yet, I think I can tell you, in all honesty, that the ferment going on in our world today, and especially in Western civilization, especially in Western civilization, is the ferment that ties us right back to Colossians 2, Romans 1, Acts 17, and a few other passages. This is the ferment going on right now. It is the battle for the hearts and minds of our young people today. Now, Paul says here in verse 2, I want your hearts, they might be comforted. I want them knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Look at this. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I believe it's going to take eternity, eternity, to unpack just that verse alone. In fact, from my understanding of the scriptures, that verse will never be fully unpacked because if it were fully unpacked, then we would be nearly God. Okay? We will never know the, the total parts here, although I could be wrong. I, I mean, I, I have been wrong before. But in Christ, it tells us, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then go down to verse uh, 7. We are to be rooted in Christ. We are to be built up in Christ. Notice the foundation stone, rooted. Then we're to be built up and established in the faith. Now, please tell me, what faith are we talking about here? Hmm? I mean, if this isn't the Christian faith, I don't know what else it could be. The root or the foundation, the building or the superstructure, and we are to be established in the Christian faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, for what reason? Underline verse 8. Underline verse 8. Beware. And let me tell you something, my friends. You cannot be aware of anything until you are aware of it. It's nonsense to talk about being aware of something if you're not even aware of it. So beware implies awareness. And yet I come across Christians who could care less. Literally, could care less. Beware, lest anyone spoil you through vain and deceitful philosophy, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Okay, that is our foundation stone. And now we're going to build there upon I have here with me a few letters that I need to share with you. And this will get us off, I believe, in the right direction. Uh, these, some of these are, are rather sad. A few, uh, a few comments here are rather interesting, but I want you to hear them. These, and, and how many are going to go into youth ministry? I know you have a youth ministry program here. How many are going into youth ministry? Do we have a, a number of young people going into youth ministry? I can't believe... Well, I, I'll read the letters and you tell me, okay? I mean, you are going to be youth ministers, huh? I want to know how you're going to handle some of this. 
Our, uh, this is a letter from a mother in, um, in Salem, Oregon, which is just north of here, I take it, all right? We're in California this morning, correct? Okay. This is a letter from a mother, and here's what she says. Our daughter was raised in a Christian school and in a Christian home where we taught her Christian values and morals. And she learned that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. Now, you know, in this world of ours, most of us would say, well, hallelujah, this gal is on her way. We have absolutely nothing to worry about this gal. Is that right? Look here. She was raised in a Christian home. She went to a Christian school. We taught her Christian values, and she learned that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. What else is there? Huh? What else is there? Two years out of high school at 20 years of age. So we're not talking about an 18-year-old. Hmm? She enrolled at the University of Oregon. Any comments there? Hmm? We were apprehensive, but we trusted her judgment as she had always shown clear vision. Now listen to this statement. We did not know this is one of the most liberal universities in the nation. You know what I have discovered, friends, in my short life? Today, there are tons of Christians that don't know what that word liberal means in this context. Literally. They don't know. I, 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 I thought of maybe just passing out on paper right now and having you jot down what you think it means. Liberal. Some of you say, well, I know I'm a liberal. My pastor Sunday said, give a liberal offering. So I must be a liberal. I gave a liberal offering. Right? I mean, give liberally. Well, I must be a liberal. I'm going to give. I'm going to give. Church could get my $2. Do we know what liberal means? Seriously? Friends, if you don't know, don't leave this institution until you know. Hmm? It is a key, key word. Do you know what the word liberal means in economics? Incidentally, we can discuss these tomorrow night, can't we? Hmm? We can do this at our other discussion. Tomorrow night we could discuss this. Do you know what a liberal means in economics? Do you know what a liberal means in politics? Do you know what a liberal means in education? A liberal in education. Hmm? Now listen to this. We did not know that this is one of the most liberal universities in the nation. Well, the truth is it isn't. They're all liberal. They're all liberal to a great extent. Now, there are some more so than others. For example, the University of Texas at Austin is more liberal than the at Texas A&M. Hmm? True? You know what I'm saying. Some of you know what I'm saying. Some of you are confused about Texas. <laughs> Incidentally, in Texas, they had, a, they had a geography test in Texas. Sixty percent of the students in Texas do not know where Mexico is. Sixty percent. You know. It's in California. I said to a teacher friend of mine down there, all the kid has to do is roll out of bed, roll south, and he hits it. But that wasn't part of the question. Now, listen to this, my friends, and listen carefully. Unfortunately, she was overwhelmed by her professors and began to believe their philosophies. Hmm? 
did she begin to believe? Well, I'll tell you what, whatever it was, she has turned her back on everything that she's believed in. She has turned her back on Christian home, Christian school, Christian values, Jesus Christ. You mean a 20-year-old can leave that type of environment, go to one of our institutions of higher education, and turn her back on everything that she believed in? Why? And let me tell you something, Christian young people. If you don't know why, you need to understand that why very clearly. Very clearly. What was it that took her away from her root? Hmm? What was it that took her away from her root? Now, I'm going to argue in the next few days, and, you know, I'm going to do the best I can to sell it. I am going to argue the unthinkable here. I'm going to argue that she lost her Christian faith to another faith. I want you to hear that. It is strategic. It is strategic. It is probably the heart of everything I will say here. This Christian young lady lost her faith to another religious faith. Her mother just hit one element of it. What was the hint that her mother knew something was wrong? Liberal. Hmm? Yes. The mother... How did I lose my daughter? Liberal! But friends, liberal is just the tip of the iceberg. Liberal is just the tip of the iceberg. Do you want to know what liberal means in education? Let me tell you what it means. How many would like to know? Let's, I mean, maybe no one's interested. Anyone like to know? Is there anyone here that would like to know? Would you like to know? What's your name? Jason, you're a smart guy. Jason, do you mind if I talk to you a second here? No one else wants to know. It's just me and thee. Liberal in education means humanist. And today, generally speaking, the humanists that run our educational institutions are secular humanists. You see, they even have a title. There's a name to them. It's not just some blob out there. We have been fighting blobs too long. Just like, you know, who fought the windmill too much, right? We have been fighting blobs too long, Christian young people. We need to get serious and figure this thing out so we know what to do about it. By the way, by Wednesday, I'll tell you exactly what to do about it. Not that you'll accept it. Most of you won't. Most of you won't. Because it takes blood, sweat, and tears. And we don't want to hear that. You see? We're in the pop generation. If it doesn't pop up, we don't eat it. Okay? It's got to be there quickly. 
If we can't solve this problem in 10 minutes, forget it. Where's the commercial? You see, that's our attitude right now. And boy, let me tell you, this problem has been around for a long time. It's not going to be solved in 10 minutes. So she was overwhelmed by her professors. That's what her mother said. And began to believe their philosophies. What philosophies? Friends, that's what we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss those philosophies. I hope you're interested in what these philosophies are. Because basically, it's not just philosophy. It is a total world view. It is, I know, I know, I'm, 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 maybe I should say this right now and leave in a hurry. You need another door? I'll make it. The only, I know I'm going out on a limb right now and I'll probably have to pull back just a little bit. But why not just make the statement and then repent? You know what I'm saying? The only worldview allowed in our public education today, the only worldview allowed is the secular humanist worldview. And once in a while, to show that they are pluralistic and diverse, they will allow a little bit of the Marxist humanist worldview and the New Age humanist worldview. Hmm? And they call that a well-rounded, pluralistic, diverse education. <laughs> He's taking notes. I like that. It's a letter to your girlfriend. Oh. It is the only worldview allowed, my friends. The only worldview allowed. And if you even scratch near them and even raise your hand a little bit and say, uh, uh, can't we just have a little bit of this world? You will be annihilated, slaughtered, and called everything but a human being. Friends, if you don't know that, you are not in the real world right now. You are out here. I don't even know where you are. We're in some valley right now. You are in some valley in an ivory tower. In Plano, Texas, in the Bible Belt, a couple of Christians just said to the school board, can't we just have this little teeny thin book in our school system, along with the big thick book of Darwin? By the way, it was a book that Phil Johnson recognizes and appreciates. A Pandas and People is a wonderful book, written for high school and college students. How many think that the school board agreed and brought it in and said, oh, sure, we need diversity here while we are just teaching one point of view? Of course you are broad-minded and, oh, it's a wonderful book, well-written. By the way, it's written by a Stanford professor with a Ph.D. They argued that it was anti-intellectual. Hmm? Hmm? Yes. In fact, I got involved in it because one of the pastors down there is a friend of mine. He used to work for me at the summit. He wrote me and said, oh, my word, you can't believe what's going on here. Would you please answer? They had eight charges against the book. Would you please answer the eight charges? I think our newspaper will print them. And you know what? The newspaper printed it. Whole page. He gave me the whole page. Their last statement was why we can't have... These are two guys, one from Harvard and one from Yale, against the pandas and people. Who could be against a panda? You know what I'm saying. And said... We can't have this book in here. If we brought this book in our school system, our property values would go down. Woo! How do you handle that thing? Property values in Plano go down? Who cares? They should come out here and look at property values. That's the arguments that are going on. 
They had eight real hard arguments on why we couldn't touch. Hey, friends, come on. There's a struggle. There's a battle. And if you think the other side is tolerant, have you all heard that word, by the way? It's a magic word right now. If you believe the other side is tolerant, liberal, and broad-minded, and just full of diversity and pluralism, you are sleeping through the whole battle. You're sleeping. Second letter. Last time I did write, it was from my home in California. Now I'm living in Oregon, attending the University of Oregon. How's that? By the way, this is um, Josh, one of our summit kids, one of our summit students. <coughs> Quote, this is quite a place. Let me tell you, this is a different place. I'm doing well spiritually, meeting with God on a daily basis or as close as possible. Reminds me of the passage in James 4, <clears throat> draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Making him a priority has really been an obvious difference in our relationship. The change is a needed one. I've always been close to God. Summer camps, mission trips permeate my high school life. God's hand has guided me so well. Sometimes it amazes me to look back and see the road he has taken me down. Although I feel fine, Oregon is a difficult place to live in. We students are assailed from every direction. Huh? I cannot tell you how much I praise God that he made room for me at the summit last summer. This is my first year of college. Architecture is my major. One of our required classes, Writing 121, has a class text comprised of different readings from and about homosexuality. Again, this is the only required text. I have not taken the class. In fact, I'm putting it off as long as possible. Other readings are found in the text include why I am not a Christian. Are you getting the picture? You didn't picture friends? Our first little gal, Missy, we'll call her Missy, I don't know her real name. Our little gal, Missy, went there and she lost. She lost everything. Now here's Josh, who's got at least one foot on the ground and at least knows that he better have his antennas real high or he's going to get slaughtered. And he is going to be forced to take a course for all freshmen. on the wonders and the beauty and the glory of the homosexual lifestyle and why I am not a Christian. And various other articles that assail our beliefs and values. The fact that this is required for every student of the school truly saddens me. This is obviously an evil world. And then he goes on a little bit further, but for time's sake, that's it for there. Now I'm going to go and switch gears. We're going to go out east, see if it's any better out east. Uh, this is a student at one of our eastern universities and the postgraduate. And by the way, if you don't think he has at least one foot on the ground, he went into the university a little later on. He got his B.A., went off to the Marines and spent 11 years in the Marines and then came back and went back to school. Hmm? So you know that we're talking about a tough nut here. His name is Joe. Okay, Joe is a tough nut. He is a 11-year Marine. Thank you, Rush. And yet, he is crying and crying and crying. Did I use the wrong word? 
about his experiences. Ah, he says, I, I'm sure you don't remember me, but I was a graduate student who told you about my experiences with the triune brain. Now, this is very interesting. If we talk about the triune God, we'd be thrown out as nuts, correct? But the triune brain is in. The triune brain is in. And uh, it has three parts. That's the tri. Uh, the reptilian part, the limbic part, and the neomammalian part. How's that? Are you with me? But it's the R factor. It's the reptilian part that needs to be conquered. Because it's the reptilian brain part that is part of our evil evolutionary ancestry. And the reason we have problems in the world is because the R factor is constantly coming to the fore. Now, just think about that a second. Today, we are blaming the reptiles for man's problems. Isn't that an interesting comment? Where are all these animal lovers when we need them? They should be having these little reptiles here going, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, he's taking a course called Teaching Elementary Science. If you think that there's a whole lot of science in that course, friends, and he's paying good money for this, I have news for you. Uh, the, the book is entitled, Con <coughs> excuse me, Making Connections, uh, teaching, uh, teaching in the Human Brain by Cain and Cain. Hmm, it could be related. <laughs> the chapter begins with a quote from Carl Sagan. How many have heard of Carl Sagan? Let's see your hands. Carl Sagan. Now, I'm supposed to be speaking uh, sometime today or tomorrow on a in a class here on the relationship between humanism and the Enlightenment period. Is that correct? My friends, I have just mentioned the Voltaire of our age. Okay? At one time, Voltaire ruled the world. From Fernie. <laughs> From Fernie. When Voltaire spoke, people listened. Would make a good TV commercial. In fact, it reminds me, there is one something like that, right? When Smith Barney speaks, people listen, something like that, right? Well, this is when Voltaire... Hey, what are you talking about? Carl Sagan is our modern-day Voltaire. He is our modern-day Voltaire. In fact, he's even further left than Voltaire because Voltaire was not an atheist. Voltaire was just a dyed-in-the-wool deist. Carl Sagan's a dyed-in-the-wool atheist. Well, the chapter begins with Sagan and ends with Sagan and Asimov. How's that for diversity? pluralism. It's our famous debates in our universities today. In this corner, Carl Sagan, and in this corner, Isaac Asimov. Friends, that's not a debate. That's a fraternity. <laughs> and they each get $15,000, by the way. Mm -hmm. That's how they get student money to these left-wing professors on campus. They force the students' money into their pockets by having these wonderful public debates. Why don't they have Bill Buckley in one corner and Carl in the other? Hmm? I'll tell you what they need. Rush Limbaugh in this corner and Isaac Asimov in this. See, Isaac's been dead for two years, so it'll be a real good fight. 
Anyway, he left that class. Oh, this guy does have a sense of humor. This Marine has a sense of humor. He wrote in his paper, he says, really, if you're concerned about this reptilian part of the brain, why don't we just give these students live mealworms to eat? I think that's clever. Hmm? I've been told that that isn't too clever, but I really think this guy has a good sense of humor. In fact, he says, I think we need to finish this course by all standing and leading in the humanist pledge of allegiance. I think that's pretty clever. Anyway, he left that. Okay, my time is up on this part of it. He left that, and the next course was a course on the origins of life on the planet. And evolution is a fact, his science professor says. And if you don't believe it, there's something wrong someplace with your paper. And I'm going to bring in the head of the biology department to prove to you what science is. Hmm? So just because this kid wrote on the margin of his paper, personally, I don't think evolution is a scientific fact. Teacher came back and brought the science biology teacher in to prove the other case. And then, let's see, here's a course he took about homosexual lifestyles back in, a course. And then he took a course in school law. And listen to this, my friends. Every day, the professor took shots at the Bible, the religious right, two or three times per lecture, not just a week, per lecture. And that was called school law. These are public institutions. These are public institutions of higher education using taxpayers' money. Taxpayers' money. To propagate, as I'm going to argue this week, a religion. A religion. And the reason why Christian young people are having problems at these institutions of higher education is because they are being assailed with another religion and don't even know it. They cannot be aware of it until what? They are aware. And unfortunately, many of them are not aware. Okay, let's stand. I was told, stand. You'll know what that means. And we're going to close in prayer. And I'll meet you when? Wednesday. Right, brother? Except you're going to be there tomorrow night. Just you and me. Lord, we are thankful for this time together. Lord, we're thankful for these young people. We pray your blessing upon each one of them. We thank you for their families, their families that have trusted their lives to this institution. We're thankful for the faculty and the staff here and the administration. Lord, we just ask your blessing upon them as we seek to present to these young people a solid Christian education. And pray, Lord, that you would just enlighten us to what is going on out there. We might be aware so that we might be aware. Lord, just lead and direct now in the rest of the day. We pray that our time together with these young people will be fruitful. Pray, that, Lord, that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ together. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you for your attention.